everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, 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 everybody Welcome, welcome It's going to be a great show today I am going to be talking to you about marriage and some basics that Christians, that all Christians should know. Um, just had this on my heart this week. I think that that marriage is so important and family is the cornerstone of so many of the things that God is doing and has purposed in the world. But it's something that we struggle with and don't understand Um and we see Christians failing in their marriage. We see that, honestly, actually, in some places in the church, uh, the divorce rate is even higher. So marriages struggle and broken families are prevalent throughout church. Marriage has always been under attack. It's always been under attack by Satan ever since the, the beginning of time. But we see a lot of struggle in in our modern life, in the way that marriage fails, but also just the lack of understanding that marriage is not really something that people are truly prepared for. And that comes from many different reasons. One is selfishness. People just are not truly and genuinely given to what it means to be in love, to care for a family, to to be to live an unselfish way rather than a self-centered way of living. But also the church has not equipped people. The church has not really had good points. And a lot of times they've taken the Bible and they've taught things that, that have harmed marriage. And some of the ways that people have perceived the structure of marriage and the authority in marriage has been very harmful to relationships and that has turned into very toxic situations and even abuse. I don't really want to focus on so much on that side at this point, that's that's well worth exploring and understanding more of the the idea that God has given about what it means to be a leader, to be a head, to what it means to be to submit and to um, be in a, a marriage in the structure and order of God. That's a, a great study that I think has been taken out of place and out of context and and turned into many things that have made it possible for abuse and wrong ways of living that harm families and ultimately have caused rebellion and pain and suffering throughout the church that God did not intend. And so that that God wants to protect us. So I just want to say that that I think I don't think God created a system where abuse and control is something that is just contingent upon whether or not a person has a good heart because God gives us protection and safety in no matter who you are when you enter into marriage in his best ways and understanding that there's recourse and protection and that his design was not for a dictatorship that can turn into a controlling force that keeps you from from actually knowing God and actually pursuing God and being obedient to our Father rather than to a person. So I had to get that out there, but that's that's not really what my main focus is. My main focus is going to be on what Christians need to understand about marriage, about how to pursue a spouse, what is important about marriage, um, just basic things like um, what to desire in a spouse and um, how to pursue a spouse and uh, what God actually wants to accomplish through marriage. Because this vision is something that 
if you don't have an understanding of that, you're going to be focused more on what you really want, just just your personal desires, because that's a big part of it. Obviously, our life and our dreams and the things that we enjoy, we want to share it with someone. We want to have that that fellowship, that unity, that love, and that connection. Those are very important things. And so got even more of this. So get settled in and take some mental notes and maybe even some physical notes as I get going on this. Uh, these points, I believe, can set us free. And they might be a little more um, in detail on certain things. I'm, I'm depending on what God leads me as I'm going into this. I may, I may dig into some scriptures and try to explain some things that I believe have been misunderstood and not represented properly and turned into things that Satan then uses throughout history in Christianity that we believe the Bible talks about marriage, but it has been misunderstood. Um, now, these points, whether you're married or not, it doesn't really matter because if you're married already, yeah, you're in a different position than someone who is single, but you can also begin to understand and, and work together with your spouse to to grow your understanding of what marriage should be, what your family can be. And so it's never too late in that regard. It might be more difficult if you've already established some things that need to be undone and you've got problems arising in your marriage. That's, you know, that's why we have <laughs> marriage counseling. That's why there are many things that can help us. But getting a vision of understanding what God really wants sets us on a path to recovery, sets us on a path to to begin to put things right and develop and build, because that's what the grace of God is so much about. It's, it's space. It's, it's the freedom to be able to then deal with issues and problems. It's not that, Oh, you messed up. It's over. It's done. You can never be fixed. That's what the grace of God is about. And, it, and the grace is very, very available in our marriages, not just in our personal life to free us from sin. Grace is so beautiful. It takes us far beyond just a, a one-time failure that can control our life. God can heal and bring us back. And it's not always easy. And it takes diligence and deliberate, intentional choices to, to get to where we need to go. But that's what God is calling us to do. So even if you're married, it doesn't matter. Th these points can really, really help you. So um, I'll start with uh, what to desire in a spouse. This is something that I think is it's hard it's very difficult for us to truly control our minds and our hearts and really put the the ways of god ahead of our own personal desires so when desiring a spouse first off it almost always almost always comes from a place of that is natural that is good as you grow up you desire you 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 want to be with someone you don't want to be alone but also just just to share but also the romance the the desire and of affection and the excitement and the um the just the joy of of thinking of of being with someone and especially when you ha have somebody that you that you have connected with that excitement is just so real it's so powerful and it's a great thing god put it there for a reason he wants us to be able to enjoy life just the way that he pursues us the way that he loves us um because he he made us to be intimate with him and he desires for us to that to experience that and so this desire is in us it's good but most of the time it's very very hard for people to separate what is their selfish desire 
Maybe it's just a desire that is there because of society, the way that we have been shaped, the way we've been molded to think about romance in a selfish way, in a personal way of just, or maybe a superficial way that we desire someone because they're attractive to us or we think they're cool or just simply because we think it's going to be fun to be together. And I've actually equated this a lot of times in, in the Old Testament when the people of Israel desired a king. God said, um, I, you know, to Samuel, he was talking with Samuel and he said, he said, they have not rejected you, Samuel, Samuel, they have rejected me because I desired to be their king. He was, he was saying that, that they wanted to be like the nations. They saw around them other nations that had a king that had structure in their nation that allowed them to have maybe more pomp and circumstance or different things that were tempting to them. And so they desired this. And so God said, well, I'm going to give you a king. That's what you really want. That's what you're going to have. And that comes with all these other problems. So as it pertains to marriage, I think that a lot of times God does that with us. We say I, with all of our heart, we're wanting to be married. We're, we're, and so God, we're not willing to let God deal with us on the personal level as a single person to truly develop us the way that we're supposed to be. And I believe that God would have actually given them a king. I think he wanted to give them a king, and that king probably would have been David. It would have come at the proper time in the proper way. But since they had to have it, they wanted to be like the nations, and so God gave it to them. And many people want to be married simply because they want to be... Um, they want to to have what they think other people have. They think other people have this joy, they have this peace, they have this satisfaction or this perfect life and this family. And so they ha- that's what they desire. They want that. And so they're out there. And so a lot of times God just w- is not able to actually deal with us and help us to grow up, help us to mature, help us to be the best person that we can be to actually, ultimately, it makes us a better spouse, a better husband or a better wife because we don't pursue this at all costs. We recognize that that we must develop um, the right things in our in our hearts, and and so this desire of of who we should go after comes oftentimes just comes from a place that is selfish, rather than recognizing that a spouse is somebody who is is has is going to be not only our friend, not only our lover, but they are going to be someone who is God desires for them to be a powerful place in our life where we're spiritually connecting with them and uh, we are challenging each other. Iron sharpens iron and you're becoming stronger and better. And so it's very important that you are pursuing someone with those character traits. And, you know, honestly, that, you know, that includes um, practical life, people who are who have their life together because they're making choices um, and they're, they're not deal breakers in the way that they choose their life. You know, obviously like um, addiction or um, of, of any kind that controls their life, but also financial responsibility. Those are things that are, are absolute deal breakers. You don't sit there and try to change somebody and try to um, get them to become more of the person they're supposed to be. You look for a person who is walking that. And so therefore it means that, you must be that. You have to be that. Um, and so you should be the thing that you desire. Um, but also, you know, how do, how do we pursue a spouse? Not just in, in what we desire in one, but how do we pursue one? Because this is something that the church has, has given us very, very little 
we've been told, okay, it, don't don't have sex before you get married. Sex is bad, and we've and so some people have really tried to remain pure, and other people have rebelled and just gone and done whatever they want. But pursuing a spouse is very very difficult um, for a young person. Well, not just young, because not everybody who's pursuing a spouse is young. But it's very difficult because the passion and the desire, especially once you meet someone, is is very strong. It's what God designed to bring us together, for us to connect and desire one another. But to do that in a way that we remove just our selfish ambition and our personal desires so that we can actually hear clearly from God. How do you pursue a spouse? You pursue a spouse... Not by going after just what you want. You find out what God says you're supposed to have. They get back to desiring a spouse, what type of spouse. But how you go about that is is very, very, um, it's very powerful to unlock a door that God has for us. Because when you separate your ambition and doing things that you just want to. And you're like, hey, you know what? God, what you want is more important. It's really way more important to me than what I want right now. God sees that because it puts you in a place to be to receive something that, like I said, in Israel, they lost that opportunity. They gave it up. You can give that up as well in your own life of, of God moving in your life that develops you into the person that you're supposed to be. So you're actually behind you're, you you have stepped into a new area of life and you're not truly developed and you're not really the person of God that you're supposed to be. And so you are trying to be a husband or trying to be a wife or trying to be a father or a mother without actually having developed the things that God wanted to develop in you because you pursued a spouse in a wrong way. And I've always said this and some people have misunderstood this or taken this the wrong way in, in their own understanding. But I do not believe that you are supposed to need a spouse because a needy person is not a good spouse. So you are supposed to have a relationship with God already in, um, in full force in your life so that you are capable of being a godly spouse, a, a husband or wife, a father or a mother, if you if you don't understand that and you don't actually recognize that hey i'm supposed to act, be a confident complete person without the other person you do not get married to make yourself complete i know that this goes against i've read books and i've heard so many people talk about that that god has you know your your other half and you're you're completed through marriage that is not what the bible teaches the bible did say at the very beginning god said it's not good for man to be alone because the purpose that God has for our life is not for us to be alone. And I might get into that with what Paul says on some of that, because I think that it's really key that it ties in. But God does not want you to be consumed with this need to, be, to have someone. You are not going to be a very good spouse. You're going to be someone who that person has to then take care of and meet your needs. And so when two people who are in this place of pursuing God and confident and self-sufficient, they come together and they meet each other, they can then unite and become a force to be reckoned with in the spiritual world, in the in their actual life. They can be they walk in success, they make good decisions, their life is built with the purposes of God. 
And so um, that goes into, you know, what God actually wants to accomplish through marriage. Marriage is not just intended to be something that you are so that you're not alone. God does care about whether we're alone, and that is part of it. The romance of it, the excitement of being in the presence of of another person with with joy and celebration for for the comfort of that. That God cares about that, but that's not the real purpose of marriage. God did not create marriage just so that we could be in love and enjoy lo- the love of that. That is that's a beautiful part of it. It is God definitely intended that and he intends that and he cares about us. He desires for our joy to, to, to have complete satisfaction in that. But when he said that it's not good for man to be alone, it's not just on that level. It is also, and I think probably more specifically, it is about the fact that of what God designed marriage to be. We can become a more powerful entity. There's so many things that we can become and do when we are together. Um, when you, If you've ever worked on a job, there's lots of different types of jobs that you do that one person might be able to do it, but it might take them 10 times as long as having two people. And so if we look at marriage from this perspective of what can be accomplished, we can accomplish way more faster. And so the kingdom of God should be built and and established on this principle that it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for one person to try to do something when two people can bind together or more, obviously on bigger projects, but we're talking about marriage, two people can accomplish so much faster and better than what one person can do. And this vision of marriage should be understood We should teach this to young people in the church. The church should focus a lot of this because for one thing, we, we, we talk about outreach and getting people saved. Most people get saved because they were raised in a Christian family. The better that family is, the stronger that family is, the more reality of the relationship of the power and the grace of God that is manifested in that marriage and in that family, the more powerful and opportunity that those kids have to grow up in the admonition of the Lord and and meet God on a powerful level so that their salvation can occur before they get into trouble, before they rebel, before their life takes bad turns. And so they grow in a healthy environment. This creates a society that is stable, but it also builds the church because the vast majority of people get saved before they turn 18 and are raised in Christian homes. That is just the reality. The most of salvations come through that. It does not come through the preaching the gospel to the masses. It doesn't come through all these different evangelistic and outreach and and missionary works. Most people get saved because they grew up in a Christian family. This is powerful. I'm not knocking and saying that we shouldn't do any outreach, but I think we do need to have our focus shifted to understand that the real evangelical work comes through building these powerful things that establish marriage. And obviously helping marriages once they're already together too is a big part, but that's a different message altogether. So focusing on this, what God desires marriage to be, marriage is supposed to be a incredible tool for Cause if the Bible says it is great for two people to go to walk together, because if one stumbles, the other can pick them up. If one is blind, the other can see if one, this is this is just a principle that God wants us to be in in place. Instead of falling down and having to figure out how to pick yourself back up, you have somebody with you. And marriage is designed for this. This is not designed for one person just to be in in this place of well, 
I'm the one in charge and so I'm going to do whatever I want to do and and you have to follow along and do whatever I say. That that actually undermines the power of what two people can be. You end up with with one person being less than what they could be instead of two powerful people coming together and letting the the unity of their marriage become far more capacity than just one of them by themselves. This is this is a beautiful vision that God wants us to gain about marriage. And this is also why Satan fights so hard to hide the reality that God ha- has for marriage. He hides it not only with with just making us have all kinds of problems by tempting us and trying to undermine it through sin and immorality, through um, ungodly sexual behavior before and in marriage. He, he's constantly trying to undermine marriage because we know it is it is the pillar that binds the family, binds the church, and binds society together. And so he's tried so many different things with with the homosexual agenda, with um, the transsexual agenda, with the fight against marriage and and he's undermining it because on many different levels, societally, because he knows how important it is. But the church doesn't really understand how important it is or why it's so important. We just know that it is because we know that, well, when families are broken, life is miserable and it sucks. And we know that kids don't have much purpose in life and they, they get depressed and they have all kinds of emotional trauma because the parents are fighting and, and they get a divorce and that type of thing. But he, Satan also is trying to hide the reality that God has put there, not just attack what is there, because there is a lot of good things. I don't want to be completely negative at all. I, I want to see, just simply point out that God has intended for things that have been hidden, and Satan intentionally hides them. The things, one of the things that God is, is trying to show us is what marriage was intended to be. It's been hidden. The, the purpose that God has... Um, has um, really designed for marriage to be has been hidden because of sin, because of the fall at the beginning. Go, everything goes right back to this. It changed so much. The um, ever since then, marriage and honestly, possibly the the even the reason Adam gave in and decided to do um, what he knew was wrong. The Bible says that Eve was deceived, but Adam willingly knew that he was sinning to eat of the fruit. After Eve had eaten, he did it out of a choice. And we're not told exactly why, but it does seem to be that he did it because he wanted to be with her. He had already put this marriage into a place that it was not supposed to be. God wanted us to actually have a connection with him. Like I said, before we get married, we should be developing this so that our marriage can be stronger. But had Adam understood that, Maybe, just maybe, he would have gone to to God instead of sinning. He would have gone to God and said, Lord, I love this woman. You gave her to me. Um, she was deceived. What can I do? And and he could have become the intercessor that she needed instead of a partaker of the sin. This is what caused the fall. He says, Adam caused the fall. Uh, to get into philosophical ideas, I don't want to go too far into that right now, but the idea that that Adam could have been an intercessor is so important that we have to recognize God, the fall that, that cursed mankind, that created the system, the world order that we have lived under all of history was something that Eve's sin 
would not have caused that. It was Adam's sin. Had he chosen to follow God and be an intercessor instead of place his personal desires or, you know, like I said, it doesn't say this exactly, but it does seem to be part of it. He's He cared about his wife. He wanted to be with her. And so in, in a, that romantic sense, even die with her. He chose to do this. Um, so that that's kind of where I want to go. The church has misunderstood a lot of these a- aspects and they've turned it into things that I'm about to read, but Paul talks about, about uh, marriage, how, how you, you, when you get married, you have to be concerned, concerned with the needs of your spouse. And I think that these, these notions have been out of place because we believe that God actually was intending for that to be the focus, but it's not. And so let me, let me just go into that in first Corinthians seven 32 says, my desire for you is that you live free from the controlling concerns that easily overtake you in this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not that not to place restrictions on you, but I want to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. And so this this part has been taken and and turned into, well, this is what marriage is. And We've, we take Paul's word here because he's, he says a lot of different things in this chapter that I think are kind of tongue-in-cheek. I think they are, Paul knows for a fact that we have to have children, that families are the structure, but he talks about his own life, being a single man and how he enjoys the, the benefit of being single because he sees so many people who are married and they're consumed with that and not able to even pursue the things that God had called him to. And so he sees this, but I do think it's tongue-in-cheek because he, he understands, and he says that, he says, not everybody's called to this. Some people are given different gifts and he's not trying to say that it's better. He's just saying, I wish that everybody was like me because I don't have to deal with that. But he gives us an admonishment a little bit later or a little bit before that in the chapter here. I read it at, I'm going to read it, go backwards in context because I think it gives us a better understanding of what Paul's saying sometimes to kind of see it from that way. So he's saying you have these distractions because you're consumed by the, the needs of your spouse But it goes back to verse 29, and he says, Let me say this, my brothers, knowing that the time we have is limited. So from now on, he who has a wife should live as though he is single. Those who weep should not be absorbed by their weeping, and those who rejoice should not be possessed by their joy. Those who buy things should not be absorbed by their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world order as we know it is passing away. Now, this world order, the the Greek word is cosmos there, which means world order. So uh, going back to what I said about the world order that we know, when Adam sinned, we came under a curse and the, the order of this world changed. Instead of man having dominion and taking control over the world the way God had called it, Satan took control and and so Jesus came. We know, thankfully, but praise God, Jesus came and broke that curse. But we don't yet see all things under his feet. 
but we do see Jesus. So we are going to follow after Jesus and see it. And so this is actually part of the vision of understanding how to how Jesus's grace um, to break the curse, to break the bondage and the controlling force of the slavery that was that we came under is understanding this this vision that God has he's put into into our hearts through the and we know this we know that he's calling us forth and all of all of earth is groaning and travailing our creation is longing to see his his sons manifest in this mature way God is calling us and so this world order as we know it is passing away so Jesus already broke that off so, but we're supposed to live differently. And so he, he, he teaches us something. A lot of people have missed this because they've already put Paul's words here into a place of, well, he's just speaking opinion and personal choice, but he's not. He's actually trying to teach us something much greater, much bigger, that's actually cosmically relative to all of history. And so he's saying, he's saying that he who has a wife should live as though he is single. Those who weep, should not be absorbed by their weeping or their sorrow. Those who rejoice should not be possessed by their joy. Those who buy things should not be absorbed by their possessions. He's giving us examples to show that this is a principle because principles apply across the board. Instead of just being uh, an, an aspect uh, on marriage, he's showing us this, this is something God wants us to, he says, brothers, knowing that the time we have is limited, we know that our life only has so much time in it, but for all of life, uh, not even just about marriage, history has been full of people having to be just consumed with just survival because without the blessings of God, without his, him giving us blessings, life becomes very, very difficult. And so we in modern times don't experience that as much because we have more modern convenience. But the truth is we can be completely consumed with the things that we are doing, the things that we're about. And God is saying, to us, don't be that way. It was not the way it was intended to be. Adam had already misplaced his understanding of what his wife was supposed to be to the point where he gave in and created the system that we've all lived. We've all lived forever knowing that the time we have is we, we either, you know, we want to serve God, so we give God some of our life, but we actually pursue our daily life, our needs our food, our shelter, and then we're consumed with the needs of our wife, our, our children. And not, not that we neglect those. And I'm about to go into that in just a minute. Not that we neglect those, those type of things. The needs are very important. But he's trying to break us away so that we understand that mindset to be consumed. When you, got, when you were pursuing a spouse and you got so consumed that you lost track of all the things that were important, because you didn't actually even have them established in some cases, in most cases. But sometimes we will actually turn away. We will actually build our life on the foundation of, of pursuing God and knowing him. And then when we meet somebody and we're, we're beginning to, to be attracted to them, we lose sight of that. And we begin to pursue them with everything rather than understanding that, hey, no, these things are, are what's supposed to be important. That's what actually supports my marriage, what actually builds my family. And again, these are things that get taught the complete opposite. You will hear different things. You will read marriage books and say, well, they'll use examples of God pursuing us. And, and I love God, the way God pursues us, but God doesn't have options. And he's not living for, from the standpoint of, of being in a broken environment, meaning that God can pursue us because he only has one bride. 
He only has one person, one thing that he can go after, and so he pursues us with everything. Now, you, as a person, do not have that right. You cannot just go after the Bible even tells us not to. Um, even though Hosea gives us the example that God was showing what it was like to pursue an unfaithful uh, woman, God tells uh, God uses that example, but he, but he also says don't do that. That was just an example to show what he was having to deal with. And so Hosea went after Gomer and had to deal with the heartache and the heartbreak of an unfaithful marriage. But that was to give us an example. That was not to say that, that we as people are supposed to do what God does. We are supposed to actually refrain from that. When somebody lives an immoral life, they are supposed to, we're supposed to not pursue them. Now, obviously, the grace of God allows somebody who has made mistakes to be healed and to become a godly, powerful person in the Lord who is obedient to the Lord, and they become a very, very viable candidate for marriage. And that's beautiful, and that's awesome but that's the grace of God. When someone is living in sin, they're not supposed to be pursued. And we're not supposed to be pursuing them because this is um, a very destructive force. It leads to broken homes. It leads to bad marriages that kids grow up in a bad environment. So they don't understand the ways of God. And it, it cycles on and on and is a degradation to society. So we have to understand that this is not what God really is after. Um, we do not pursue after a spouse on that level the way that God does because it's a different situation. But we do have to recognize in that pursuit of a spouse, we are not supposed to lose sight of God's purpose. In fact, the purpose that God has in your life as he anoints you, as he gifts you, as you grow in him, it's, you should be, and you've heard, probably heard this description, and I like this one, that as you're pursuing God, look around and find people who are pursuing God the same way as you, and you might find your spouse. That's a, that's a reality, because if you're, find, if you're looking and finding people who are doing the things and are, are encouraged by the same desire of, of following God, you will find that your marriage is compatible and your relationship is compatible rather than, than finding someone who is living differently and it's like, well, they're beautiful. I really, oh, I just have so much in common with them because uh, you know, you're infatuated and you've disregarded what you were developing and began to pursue a spouse. And as you pursued the spouse, your life began to change. And that's what happens is you fall under this old way that Jesus broke and that Paul is trying to, to get rid of, have us recognize that the order, the, the cosmic order, the cosmos that we live in, the world order that was established through sin is supposed to be broken by the righteousness the, the freedom that Jesus brings into the world is supposed to be broken off. And when we recognize that, we will begin to not pursue those things at the cost, not, not to, to pursue our marriage and building our family at the cost of our intimacy and our closeness and our unity with God that equips us, that gives us anointing to be a father, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a mother. And it equips us to, to then show love and compassion beyond our own families because a successful family is not entangled in all of the problems. And so they can be a help to those around them. And, you know, it's, it's just that when, when things go good in God, they become better and better and better instead of the cycles of failure and problems that, that go from, from a personal life to a family, to a church, to, to a community, to a nation that, that we see the problems in society. 
it can go the opposite way too. It can be good on all those levels. It can take go from a person being strong in the Lord to finding another strong person, to ha- building a strong family, to having godly, obedient, kind, and generous family with children who are who are well-behaved and, and equipped and, and well-balanced to a strong church and a, and a healthy environment and a community and a, and a nation that doesn't have all these problems that are constantly destroying. That is the society that God ultimately envisions. And that's what the ecclesia, the church, the called out, the, the governing body of believers that are supposed to govern society through the principles of God. We have that authority. And that's whew, that's, a, that's another message altogether about the, the power of what the church is supposed to be. And that, you know, the word ecclesia, is, that is translated church all throughout the New Testament has a meaning far beyond what our English word church has mean has has come to mean, and so grabbing a hold of what it means to be the ecclesia that we actually have the authority to take control of the the different mountains, the controlling tops, the leadership of society in 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 the the seven mountain mandate. If you're familiar with that, that that we are supposed to be on top of the media mountain. We are supposed to be on top of the the um, uh, family mountain. We're supposed to be on top of the the uh, government mountain. The you know all, the business mountain. All I don't remember all seven of them right now, but. But that that message, if you're familiar with it, that is what the ecclesia is about, is taking this message. But that only goes, and we're only capable of taking that message to those places if we actually understand this, because this undermines it. That's why Satan, like I said, has tried to hide it and undermine it. So I want to go farther back in the chapter now, go back to verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 7 says, yes, it is right that you should abstain from sexual relations. In the light of many temptations of sexual immorality, each man should have only his own wife and each woman should have only her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can, for example, focus yourselves more completely to something like prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that you won't be vulnerable to satanic temptation and fall into sexual immorality from lack of self-control. <laughs> this, this, uh, the topic of the, the beginning here is talking about sex. It's talking about intimacy and how important it is that husbands and wives meet the needs of each other. And he, he starts the chapter with this, but I, I wanted to, to go backwards towards that because it, later in the chapter when he talks about living as though you were not married... He, remember I said that, that, that principle that he, he was bringing out that it applies to not just marriage, it applies to, to mourning. And th- that's actually how God spoke this message to me originally. It tied this thought together was um, after my wife had died, I remember thinking, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? Do I need to be just focused on, on my needs because I am mourning uh, and truly grieving the loss of a love and the mother of my children. And I'm grieving this and it hurts so deeply. What should I I be focused on? And I read this and God said, those who mourn or weep 
should live as, as though they do not mourn. And I was like, that's really harsh. But that's why going back to the beginning of the chapter, he's not saying that we stop weeping or don't mourn. He's saying, don't be consumed by this. Don't let it control you. So just like being married, you can be consumed and concerned. You should be concerned with the needs of your spouse and your family, but you can also become consumed and say, this is the way that it's always been. People do this left and right. You, you, you see it. You may be doing this. God is challenging his people. That, and Paul is teaching this message that has been washed out because Satan attacked it. Satan saw this message. And he's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get people to believe the complete opposite. And so we've studied this passage and we've turned it into the opposite. Well, yeah, that's what marriage, that's what being in a family is all about. We're supposed to be taking and being consumed with it. And so that's the way God designed it. No, that is what we live under. The cosmos that was changed, this world order that was put in place because of the fall causes us to be that way. When God intended us to not be focused on that in the wrong way, he intended for us to always recognize that following him, becoming the person we're supposed to be in him is what actually makes us a better spouse. So it's it's not good for us to be alone because we can become even more through being together rather than alone. And that's something that um, I think gets hidden because Paul uses terms uh, about his own relationship, about being single. And I think it clouds the thing. And, and so Satan used that, Paul's language there, because Paul's not saying something bad. It's just that we misinterpret. And Peter himself said, what Paul says is difficult to understand and hard to understand. So I, I think I have a right to say that what Paul says is hard if Peter said that too. <laughs> but this, this I, going back to the beginning here, that's why it's so important that we recognize in the beginning, he gives us clear instructions to understand what he's saying later in the chapter, that you are not supposed to, I'm not ever going to say that you're supposed to neglect your family, that neglect the needs, especially talking about intimacy and sexually, you are not supposed to deprive each other. So if he's saying to someone, live as though you're not married, he's not telling you to ignore your spouse and not be intimate and connected to them, is he? He can't be saying that because he's already given us the instruction just a few verses before that we're never supposed to do that. And he's saying, he said, even if you agree for a time to focus on prayer, to focus on doing things that are important because you don't want to be consumed with it, he said, still, you come back together. It's a short time. This is not a long time. You're not going to spend years or even weeks for that matter apart. Because that will lead to weakness and temptation. You become vulnerable because you have you do have needs. God did, especially, see, when you are abstaining, when you're a young person who's living a righteous life and you're saying, I'm not going to conduct myself immorally and you choose to live and be celibate, that is a beautiful thing. It's honored by God. And you become strong. You become very, very... Um, as you depend on God, not just on your flesh, well, I'm going to resist it, but you depend on God, you're actually pursuing God, you become stronger. And so you, you, God gives you the fortitude in your spirit to live this holy life. But when you are married, you are now free to, to enjoy the, the, the intimacy and the closeness with your spouse, spouse that uh, a sexual relationship brings. And so you actually, it's actually what is one of the things that binds you together is you become in need of that. So, you know, this is why people have sex addictions because they've given themselves over to this completely in a wrong way. But in a marriage, you actually do. You have this, this strong urge that is 
to the level of nearly being an addiction. You need each other at that point. So if you are separated without the vision, without the purposes of God in your heart and in your life, um, you become vulnerable to temptation because you've already given yourself in marriage. That's what you've given power over your body. It says to your spouse, to your husband, and your wife, you give that, that authority. And so you're actually have, have, it's not, it's a vulnerability if you're not together, but it's a unity. It's a strength when you are together. So Paul is saying to stay, to not stay apart, to, to, for just a time, if you need to focus on something else for a little while, that's okay. But it needs to be that you come right back together. In, and spending your your heart and your intimacy. So again, that is the thing, the place, the starting point is knowing that God has called us to this, to care about the needs. So he does not mean to neglect that, never neglect that, but have the vision of what God actually designed for marriage. And so understanding what, a, um, what marriage is supposed to be has been lost. Um, I, I have t- had to dig so deep. I have not found very many teachings on this to understanding. I have found many things that I have witnessed when they are taught and when they are used in a, in a marriage, they create a weakness. They can create a weakness in their relationship. But what it, the main re- weakness that it does is it creates a weakness in fellowship, in the unity of the church, because that is an ex- only an extension of how spiritual and how godly and how um, strong the the family is when the people come together if they are weak if the families are weak the the church the expression of the body of Christ doesn't have a whole lot to offer and so when we implement this idea or notion that you're supposed to be all about the needs of your family and like I said again I have to always qualify this because people want to run away with it and say that it is not that no your family comes first well your family does come first in the sense that you are initially going to be involved in and with time in your family but it doesn't come first in the sense of anything else beyond that because God is the preeminent he is above and beyond even your marriage or even your children or anything that you have now like I said that's not doesn't mean that God's going to call you to neglect your family. Never does that. But he does want your heart to be in the right place, to have these things in a proper order, because it's through pursuing him that equips you and allows you to become the godly person you're supposed to be with the ability to then meet the needs, to be connected, to have a strong family. And so then it, your family is strong enough and you are capable of your wife and your and your kids to be able to go and minister and show the affection and desire for God that is an invitation to other people to partake in this same intimacy and this communion, because that's what it is. This is communion with God. This is the fullest extent. And having this, this vision that God has given us for your marriage is so important. If you don't have this, then you are already... St- having a, 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 you know, it says for lack of vision, my people perish. The, the, the desires that you may even have to, to follow God, but you don't understand this about marriage. You are starting out with a, from a weak point. And so Satan has a place to attack. And those attacks don't always seem obvious that it's Satan, but this, the way that Satan has hidden this, um, <laughs> I need to wrap this up. I've been talking about this for a while now. I may, I may, Come back. We may have some more episodes in the future about marriage and different aspects that I, I didn't get to on today's episode. This is, please remember this. Think about it, that the shift, this this cosmos, this world order that has been in place, God actually desired, desired for marriage to be very different. 
but we have had this this limited mindset and so it's turned into the needs of of our family taking this us away from God and Paul is saying don't do that don't let that happen don't let the 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 those things consume you because the only true way that those needs will actually ever be met, that your families will truly be what it's supposed to be, is if you actually get a hold of this and have this vision of what God's, what marriage that God created, God designed it to be, is supposed to be. We must grab a hold of this because we will run with the the horsemen if we can do this. Marriage is is supposed to be the 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 driving force that gives us so much in our life. It's supposed to be there, but it's not. All too often, it is actually a hindrance in people's life. It is not the empowering. Um, my friend posted a meme recently um, called, he put it up called Can't Man, take off of, of, of the Marvel you know, pictures of, of Ant-Man and stuff, but it's talking about how when you talk to your friends who are married and, and they can't do anything, they're too busy. They have this going on or that going on or their spouse just says no. And so they can't. So it opposed this meme of camp man. And that is not the way that is sad, but that is true. I'm, I've witnessed it. I feel the same way that that is the, what it seems like is it's all about, we can't, we, we're limited. We have all this stuff going on and, and we're told over and over again, that's right. That is the way you're supposed to be. You're being a godly man by being consumed by the needs of your family. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, yes, you should be meeting all the needs of your family. It's not even that hard, actually. When you actually become an empowered, anointed man of God, you can meet the needs of your family and it doesn't consume you. That's the awesome thing of it. You, the Everyday life is not supposed to be hard. Everyday life is not supposed to be hard. God did not intend for us to eke this out um, day after day of, well, I just have to, I, that's what it means to be a godly man. No, it's supposed to be freeing. Life is supposed to be enjoyable. The things of God bring that freedom, bring that peace, bring the, the capability to be successful, to, to live life and have family successfully. And so that our jobs, when we choose our jobs, you know, all these different things go into, we're choosing a job that empowers us rather than controls us. Well, I have to have a job to support my family. No, God wants you to actually move towards and have a vision for what, where your job can be. And so it doesn't consume you. Like I said, this is a principle that, so it's not just marriage that applies. Every choice can apply to this. So I hope this really spoke to you. I hope this gave you some vision, uh, to more understanding of what marriage can be, what it should be. If you're a single person and you're growing towards that and you're desiring that, open your heart to this. Seek God for this, to give you this vision because you can become that spouse that is a treasure to you, to another person who who is loving God, and instead of when I, I hear the testimony, I just don't see powerful, godly people, and, and so people settle into their marriage. Don't settle, don't settle. God will bring you somebody on His time and His way, but take this to heart. See that God is calling you to be part of the new world order. <laughs> I know we talk about new world order being evil, but God's new order is actually going back to the original, what the the mandate that God gave us to be, to have take dominion over the earth was, was the purpose and marriage was given because it's not good for man to be alone. Well, there you have it. Hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you next time. Everything lost will be renewed Long ago in the garden it was to be Now a dream fulfilled in you and me Whoa, oh.